Welcome to Detective Society. I'm Natalie Levy. I'm Michael Costa. And this is another Detective Society mini-sode. 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 It's a good reggae horn. I like it. <laughs> what I could do is splice in like a sound effect of a reggae horn, but I think that the mouth version that I just did was way better. Slippery slope, the sound effects, because it starts with just one reggae horn, and next thing you know... Laser, laser. Yeah, exactly. So. Plus, I like saying it more than I like hearing it. I don't think that's. I don't think you're saying it. I think you're not singing it. (laughs) You're making a noise. Yeah, laser noise. Laser. Oh, when you say late. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I like cut all that again. Jesus. No, I'm not cutting anything ever. Stop telling me to cut things. The listeners need to know the truth. Okay, so the last mini episode I feel like I may have been on, and I can't remember at this point, but... It was Dante Stokes. So that was a non-murder. The greatest story ever told. Is this a, mi- a mini-sode, non-murder-free mini-sode? Is what it was called? Is this another murder-free mini-sode? <sighs> I don't like the sound of that. It's difficult to say. I, it is not murder-free. That uh, It's not killed-free. There's someone who dies. Okay, let me start from... <laughs> Let me start from the beginning. She majored in English and she just said it's not killed free. So, we have to start with some housekeeping. First off, on the mini-sode, as is a staple of the mini-sode. Also, I keep bumping the mic screen, sorry. Yeah, I know, Michael. People are going to hear that. Sorry, guys. Our ratings go down. Oh, man. Let's do some housekeeping. Number one, let's go over what we're drinking. Michael. We're doing drink? Oh, I'm, uh... Because that's what we did on the last mini-sode. So, um... This is the last little bit of Costco white wine we have. Oh, the good stuff. <laughs> because I finished the whiskey earlier, and there's no beer in the house right now. And normally I, I say, let's save the white wine for cooking, and then you always end up drinking it. Well, today I, I, I drink it. Yeah. I'm I, sorry. I know you drink it. Um, I'm drinking a martini out of a wine glass, so that's where we're at on this Martin Luther With King With Kalamata olives, too. And yeah. Kalamata juice. Yeah. Purple martini. I think we should acknowledge that it is MLK Day. It is MLK Day. People are the worst. That's why I started this podcast, actually. Because people are garbage. I mean, MLK wasn't garbage. No, not MLK. I mean, you know. the, the All the people that created the institutions that he fought against were the worst. Yes. So what I'm trying to say is, welcome to Detective Society. <laughs> Let's get going. Okay, so let's start from the very, very beginning. This week, we were lucky enough to get a really kind and wonderful shout out from the Knights of the Kitchen Table. They are another independent podcast out of Las Vegas. You should definitely, definitely check them out. But we were so touched by their shout out that I immediately went online and ordered like Detective Society stickers to mail to them that are going to take much longer than I anticipated. So... Well, they have to go, you know, to the sticker fields and pick the stickers and then print the image on them. It's the whole process. Are you done? (laughs) Well, I am now. So in the meantime, since the Knights of the Kitchen Table are from Las Vegas... You know, I like to call it Lost Wages. Oh, (laughs) that was a good one, Costa. It was, and I stole it. I know. So since... The Knights of the Kitchen Table are from Las Vegas. We were inspired to do a Las Vegas-centered mini-sode. And I'm calling it the Vegas Connection because not all of it took place in Las Vegas. But once I 
basically started going down this crazy crime rabbit hole i i like couldn't stop like i it, once it started i was like no 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 i can't reel this back in so we're in multiple states multiple states multiple timelines unclear crimes so bear with me now because it gets very very crazy there are so 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 many unknowns and so 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 much speculation and since it just occurred in 2015 there hasn't oh, been wow, this yeah. huge amount of time for people to feel comfortable coming forward so i didn't want to say that it was definitely a murder but there is someone who's killed um and definitely women are murdered in this story but we don't know if we have the killer yet yeah <laughs> okay what i'm saying is bear with me there are a lot of moving parts we'll start from the very very beginning god bless you billy is, is she done I think she's done with her sneezing fit. Great. She has a chronic condition. Oh, also, we took the collars off of our dog. So even though they're barking, there's no clinking in the background. Okay, guys, get. Go. Get, get out of here. Get. Go. Get out of here. You see we don't want you anymore? Oh, don't say that to them. Just go. <laughs> oh, Billy. Get, no. Come on, guys. Go. Get, get Billy. Out from under the table. Get, get, get. We have to cut all of this in post. <sighs> then Natalie yells, I'm not going to cut anything. I'm not going to I don't cut anything. You also okay. don't really sound like that. Anyway, Neil Falls was born in Oregon in 1969. He reportedly had what? 69. <laughs> he's taking a glass of wine like he's an elegant young lady, but he's not. He just laughed at 1969. Anyways, Neil Falls was born in Oregon in 1969. He reportedly had nine brothers and sisters. According to basically the only person who would come forward and admit that he knew Falls growing up, his father was extremely abusive and routinely beat his mother in front of the children. Oh, God. I mean, it's a pattern with these kind of people, so. Yeah, it's already a bummer. His mother was also the only person in the entire world who Neil cared about. Other than those few details, he's a super mysterious figure before around the year 1995. He's actually so mysterious <laughs> that there are only two confirmed photos of him. One is from a high school yearbook and one is from his driver's license which I find so baffling. Like, how between the years 1969 and 2015 are there only two pictures of this person? So how often, would I, I would ask, how often are you in a photo with no one that you care about, but they know that you are the person in the photo? You told me the only person he cares about is his mother. Mm-hmm. So means the only time you're in someone's a photo is with someone you know. And unless mommy's taking photos with you, I guess, but he also, so this reminds me a lot of Adam Lanza, the Sandy Hook shooter. Okay. And my thing about him is, okay, he was very, very young. He did not work. His parents took care of everything for him. This guy is a man who worked throughout his entire life. He moved through various states. Like, we're also talking about only one driver's license picture. There's not even multiple ones of that. Like, are you, you're you telling me there was never an office birthday where people got together for a picture? There was never a snapshot taken when he was out, like, at the shooting range that he liked to attend? Like, it just seems so crazy to me that in all of those years, 
two pictures were taken. So There's far, not even all. childhood pictures. He's only famous as of recently. Okay. For the wrong reasons, but... That is true. Anyway, we pick up Neil's trail in 1995 when his father dies. So it's confirmed that he was living close to or with his father in 1995 when his father dies. He's like 34 already. Yeah. Okay. From there, Falls begins moving around and takes his first uh, his first course of many courses to build credentials to become a security guard. It might be during this time, it might have happened before, that he becomes obsessed with guns and defense. He collected guns and would show off his collection to anyone who would actually hang out with him. Now, that being the first thing that I said to you about him, people normally did not hang around for a second visit because that's fucking creepy. <laughs> Like, the first time you hang out with this guy, he wants to talk to you about his gun collection. Like, no thank you. I'm getting the hell out of there as soon as possible. I I mean, after that, I assume you don't stick around for the photo op. (laughs) Okay, so maybe that's why he had no pictures. Like, maybe his friends are like, hey, let's get a Polaroid together. He's like, look at my guns. And then they just kind of run out the door screaming. Guys, before we take our first and only picture together... Let me show you my gun collection. You misunderstood earlier. He was trying for years to get a picture with friends, but for whatever reason, he would go guns, then photo, and never got around, you know, people weren't left for the photo after he saw the guns. Okay, so we know that between 1995 and 2000, he worked on and off. He took some more of these courses, and then in the year 2000, we kind of pick up his trail again. The distant future. (laughs) The year 2000. He moves to Henderson... Nevada, where shit gets real murdery. Most of what we know about Neil Falls' personal life is based on hearsay from one sister who gave one interview uh, after all of this was discovered, and a few acquaintances and coworkers who came forward based on a guarantee of various degrees of anonymity. Literally nothing that anyone has ever said about this guy has been good. I mean, not even, like, had a nice gun collection. <laughs> God, I can't get over that. No. Uh, oh, actually, one lady one time said he paid his rent on time. So, that's neutral. He's punctual. He didn't pay it early. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. So, oh, God, this is shitty. He worked at the Hoover Dam for a period of time as a security guard, and literally his co-workers would joke behind his back that he for sure murdered prostitutes. I'm sure they had no idea how on point these jokes were. Well, and it makes me feel guilty about making any jokes during the rest of this podcast. I'm going to probably take a no-joke pledge now. Okay. I'm sure that the listeners will appreciate that. As you can imagine, he was not very well-liked by his co-workers. There are a bunch of Facebook posts where the posters are kind of pixelated out, but um, they were screen grabbed and put online by someone on the Sword and Scale blog. Um, so there are these all these Facebook posts where ex-coworkers are basically talking about how creepy he was. And the posts start off pretty predictable, like talking about how he had so much contempt for women and how difficult he was to get along with. He would say, obviously, like, weird things, like, all women are sluts, like, stuff that, like, douchebags say, but that weren't murdery, per se. Um, Well, they weren't like, all women are sluts, I'm going to kill all of them tomorrow. So then the posts get, like, progressively more and more disturbing. 
One person recounts a story of Falls spending a bunch of time building trust with this deer. He, he was telling him about this deer that would, like, come to his backyard area. And eventually he got the deer comfortable enough around him that the deer would come and eat out of his hand. So Falls stabbed it in the neck and watched it die. Super fun story to tell at work. I'm not going to make the joke I thought of. No joke pledge. I can't. All deer are sluts. Oh, Jesus. Another person recounted a time that he caught Falls throwing rocks rocks at rats and watching them die slowly. He threatened to report Falls if he ever saw him doing it again, and he never caught him again, but he basically ended his post saying with, I guess hookers were lower hanging fruit than rats. Okay, so a few things. I, I just, first of all, our boy Falls is checking all the boxes. For super killer, super for, for serial killer, killer murderer. Furthermore, these employees on this Facebook group are total jags. So they're not. A lot of them reported him. A lot of them did. Which makes you kind of wonder more about security guard hiring and firing structure. Well, I mean, the profile of someone who... I Security guards are great people, I'm sure. For the record, Falls would go on to be fired from the Hoover Dam for sexually harassing another coworker. So obviously, when people did complain, those complaints were not just it completely ignored. Completely yeah. ignored out of hand. But during the eight years that he lived in Nevada in Henderson, just outside of Las Vegas, he is believed to have beaten, strangled, murdered, and dismembered five or more women mostly sex workers in, you guessed it, Las Vegas. High nights of the kitchen table! (laughs) Throughout this period, there was a fear in Las Vegas that there was a a serial killer on the loose because probably there was. Yeah, it sounds like it. But because so many of his victims were sex workers, people didn't really pay too much attention. I, throughout this mini episode won't be able to cover all of his possible victims, but I can give you some examples. On the night of August 14th, 2003, Jody Brewer was dropped off at the Harbor Island Club Apartments located at 307 East Harmon Ave. That was the last time Jody had been seen alive. Her mother, Pamela Brewer, filed a missing persons report with the Las Vegas Metro Police the following day. Oh no. 15 days later, on August 29, 2003, Jody Brewer's remains were uncovered. A torso of a woman was found wrapped in plastic near the highway in San Bernardino County, California, 25 miles south of the Nevada-California border. They literally only knew that it was Jody because of her distinctive tattoos. So she had a tattoo of a hummingbird above her left breast and an M designed on her lower back they weren't able to immediately find the rest of her remains. So her mom had to identify her based on a torso. Definitely not a murder-free minisode. No, people do get murdered in this episode. But it's in Las Vegas. <laughs> Sorry guys, I'm just trying to keep, keep the, the tempo a little up. Um, the second woman we'll be talking about is Lindsay Harris. 
Lindsay had been seen heading north on Las Vegas Boulevard between the hours of 4 and 5 a.m. The following day, her boyfriend reached out to Lindsay's family to report her missing. So her family actually lived in, I believe, Connecticut, but she was living in Las Vegas. Okay. Um, Lindsay was always, always one to check in and sometimes sent her boyfriend texts like literally every four minutes. I mean, they, they, they were a young couple, so they were texting back and forth nonstop. But on May 6th, the messages suddenly stopped completely. At the time, her boyfriend was actually in New York, so the police immediately knew, like, okay, it's not the boyfriend. Where else can we look? 19 days later, three boys riding their ATVs north along I-55 in Divernon, Illinois. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that name. Divernon? Divernon, Illinois came across a frightening discovery. So we're talking going from Las Vegas to San Bernardino County, and then in the second case from Las Vegas to Illinois. The boys believed that they had seen some kind of prop, and when they went to go investigate it, they found that it was a human leg on the ground. The boys believed they'd come across someone burying the legs, like that they'd stumbled on someone during the act and ran off. They immediately reported it to the police, but because, this is so sad, because these kids were like local pranksters, like just a bunch of kids on ATVs, the police didn't believe them. And so they literally had to talk to one of the boys' father who worked for the police department and drag him down to where they found the leg so that he could call it in. These remains were later identified as Lindsay Harris. Because the bodies were found so far away from when they disappeared, people didn't Connect the crimes immediately. And it would be the same story with three to five other women in the Las Vegas area. Some of them are identified. Some are still Jane Doe's because he dismembered all of his victims. So it's almost impossible to trace them. Falls would later be circumstantially connected with dozens of other murders, including seven, seven women who disappeared from a small town in Ohio. Wow. So I... I thought you were about to say seven, like, total, but no, seven just from one that's town. that's just from one town. He's also been connected to murders in Niagara Falls and California. Jesus. And, okay. Okay. So let's figure out where he's been, like... So the only commonality between all of these victims that they, was that they were pretty young women who advertised on Backpage.com. Wait, Backpage? They just got, like, shut down or something, yeah. right? Yeah. I read the news. I'm, oh, you know, my God. You're I'm so up to date. So beautiful. Jeez. Very current. Um, and then once Falls left town, the murder stopped. Mm. Fast forward to 2014. Enter Heather Saul. Heather is a young, beautiful woman living in Charleston, West Virginia. She is also a sex worker who advertises on Backpage. She agrees to meet a client at her home on July 18th, 2015. When she comes to the door, she says the man pointed a gun at her and gives her two options. Literally just says three words, live or die. Except that he messed with the wrong freaking girl because Heather backs up into her home, but she immediately starts fighting back. He starts hitting her and attempting to strangle her, but she's fighting him so hard that he has to put his gun down in order to try to get a hold of her. 
uh, wrong move, buddy, because Heather was not messing around. She's such a, like, badass. There, So, originally, she didn't um, disclose her full name. Okay. She was trying to stay anonymous. She was advertising on Backpage. I'm yeah, sure yeah. that it wasn't easy. But this woman, Heather, goes on to, like, be the total badass of this story. Um Number one, she's beautiful. She's clearly articulate and intelligent, and she's a fighter. She'll go on to basically completely evangelize for changes in the laws that affect sex workers. So trying to legalize a lot of sex work, trying to make it more... um, What's the word that I'm looking for? Above board? Yeah, more more above board so that men like this can be traced, so that it doesn't get to the point where well, he's possibly killed like, 30 Like in women. countries where prostitution is, is legal, where it's regulated by the state, and it's it's much safer for the people involved. Yeah. Okay, so let's, let's go back to her kitchen where this is all going down. He puts down the gun. She picks up... She picks up like a wide tooth hard comb that she had been using earlier. (laughs) Like she'd been brushing her hair and she just starts wailing on him to try to get him off of her. She she, she, like fights him off a little bit and immediately like grabs the gun because he's trying to grab the comb away from her. And once he's wrestled that out of her hands, she grabs the gun, points it backwards because he's behind her trying to strangle her and just pulls the trigger and runs out of the house. He dies immediately on scene. Oh, man. She runs to a neighbor's house. She's freaking out. The neighbor says that she's, like, crying, shaking, hysterical, and they immediately call the police. The police show up, and obviously, because it's the police in West Virginia, they are suspicious of her, not suspicious of the guy. Yeah, of course. So they start searching everything, and then they get to his car, and in his Subaru, Subaru Forester, they discover... Sorry, Subaru. <laughs> Sorry, Subaru. You're not uh, sponsoring this episode, so I'm going to mispronounce your name. <laughs> they find what they're calling a serial killer toolkit. A bulletproof vest, two sets of handcuffs, trash bags, a bottle of bleach, several knives, a sledgehammer two axes and a throwing axe. So two like large wood cutting axes and a throwing axe. Like a hatchet, yeah. When they search his body inside of Heather's house, they find a small yellow post-it note listing the names of, and numbers of at least six other women he intended to meet up with. Some of these women live as far away as San Diego, California, which is when they start trying to figure out like, wait, If he's in contact with other women in other states, let's take a look at where he's been. Yeah. And try to retrace his footsteps. Try to figure out what's going on because this is not, this guy does not seem like he's done it for the first time. And he's actually quoted as saying to Heather, I'm going to jail for a long time, so I don't care what happens to you. Just fucked up. Um, So that's when they start making the connection with all of these other crimes. And it's absolutely heartbreaking because in addition to all of the people who they can connect him to or that they can circumstantially connect him to, there are also thousands of unsolved murders across the United States. And so if he was driving over county lines in a matter of like days or hours over state lines, 
Who's to say that he wasn't doing the same thing for a bunch of unsolved crimes that we can't trace him for? What's even more crazy is that for all we know, Heather was his first victim. Yeah, there's so much unknown here. We don't know if she was his first victim or his last victim. I mean, from everything that people say about him, it does not sound like she was his first victim, but it's not like there's physical evidence tying him to these cases. And in a lot of these cases, the DNA was either so degraded or not collected because they had they didn't have anyone to compare it to that it's impossible now to go back and do any kind of analysis. Yeah, it's crazy. I, it just... Good for Heather. Yes, good for Heather. I love these stories where people like fight back or escape. And I know, I know that the first thing that like women are taught is like, don't fight back. Just like try to be nice. Like try to ingratiate yourself to these people so they let you go. But like, no, fuck that. Fight back. (laughs) Like, I, I don't know. I think it just speaks to like what my personality is. I mean, you know me. Like, I will argue and fight. By your own admission, you're very mouthy. <laughs> I am a very mouthy broad. Yes. Um, yeah, but I mean, the thing is he points a gun at you, and it's the whole fight or flight syndrome. Because if you don't move, he's just going to take a step forward and put you in those multiple sets of handcuffs he has. Put you in the trunk of that car and take you to six states away. Or it's his first time and he has no idea what he's doing and write about all this on the internet on 4chan or something i don't know but my thing is always like okay because i'm a murderino and i am not well in my brain hole i've always thought like (laughs) real mature way to put that (laughs) i've always thought could dying really be worse than what this person's about to do to me because this it ends with you dying anyways it ends with you dying anyways right and it's clear from this story that the choices aren't live or die the choices are die now yes or die after i do unspeakable things to you choices are die later after i'm done having my fun with you or see if you can survive when you fight me i guess because he has no intention of shooting those victims when he says live or die because if he did he would have shot heather so that's the thing, is that this dude gets off on the process. Oh, yeah. So there are murderers that are called product killers that are guys who get off on the end product. So necrophiles. Yeah. Um, people like this guy that I keep bringing up, Ed Gein, who is more fascinated with what happens and what you do to dead bodies after they're dead than he was with the process of actually murdering people. And then there are these people who are called process killers who get off on the process of murder. And these are the kind of fuckers who I think are, I just, I think that this is the worst kind of murder. It's BTK. They torture you for a long time. They keep you around. They take you to the brink of death and then they bring you back and they keep you around for weeks, months, years in some cases. It's horrifying. I would much rather be a nipple vase in Ed Gein's house after dying very, very quickly than someone who is kept around for days or weeks who endures God knows what and is then killed anyway. End of rant. (laughs) Yeah, you left me speechless on that one, I gotta be honest. So that was Neil Falls. He dies. I... 
And, and, and it's one of those things that he's dead now, so a lot of unsolved murders that have a similar pattern are like, well, maybe it was him. But again, we don't know. Maybe, maybe that was his first attempt. I know, and I kind of love that. So I'm normally one of these people who hates when murderers die or like the the victims don't get their day in court before they're killed. Oh, gotcha. But there's something that I find so fascinating about the fact that he was killed by a victim or a potential victim and that now after he's dead, he's been connected to all of these crime sprees. I just think like, if I were a writer writing a novel about murder, that's how it would end. It would leave you not knowing for sure whether he yeah. did it or not. Yeah, I find that really frustrating. <laughs> oh, no. Because maybe this guy who was mutilating people across multiple states is still out there. Well, so this is what I find so interesting is that there's this and, – and I know, like, I only think about this because, again, I am not correct in my brain hole – um, <laughs> it's not a thing. It is to me now. There's this idea that, like, the modern serial killer doesn't exist, that we had a lot of these serial killers, these, like, processed serial killers, these really vicious dudes between, like, 1950 and 1990, right? Okay. Operating all over the place. But I think what is going on is just that with... The internet. The, well, with... With the advent of the internet, with the ramp up of all these channels like ID and the, like, the availability of information. Yeah, we have so much more information now. I think these dudes have just gotten smarter. And to me, like that's way more terrifying. Definitely, I think so. So I don't know if it yeah, I don't know. Because here's the other thing is that there, I always understood there was an element of these kind of people that wanted to get caught. Like, to get famous? Like, the Gianni Versace guy? Not to, like, get famous, but, like, that it's almost a game. And, like, when they aren't caught or when someone else is given credit for what they did, like, that's a real problem point for them. And, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. You know that stuff better than I do. But it's just because then the implication would be like, well, then why are you, if your goal is to never be caught and so you're much better not getting caught, then why are you have a pattern at all? It's just saying, I- Well, because they get off on the pattern. It's not that like, they don't have a pattern so that they can be caught. They they have a pattern because it's like a, a weird fantasy that they've been building in their head for years and years. And as we all know, because we're all gross animals, the fantasy never lives up to the reality. So they have to keep replaying it over and over again, trying to perfect it to get off on it. They're fucked up. Their wires are crossed. It is dark, man. It is super dark. But we can loop this back to the beginning. So Mike brought up a little bit earlier off mic that this case has nothing to do with the DMV area. It's just something that I found super, super interesting. And I'm totally willing to do more of these mini-sodes where we're just looking at cases that are really, really interesting based on people who reach out to us. Or so, say nice things about us. Yeah, or, <laughs> or say nice things about us in their third podcast. Um, so feel free to reach out to us. Um, let us know what you think. If you like these mini-sodes, we'll keep doing them. 
As always, you can reach us on Twitter at The Detective Pod. You can like us on Facebook. Rate us on iTunes. Please, please, please rate us on iTunes. I'm, I like get so excited when I see a new one. Um, and you can email us at, um, what is it now? Oh, Detective Society Pod at gmail.com. Yeah. yeah, it hasn't changed. <laughs> um, yeah, because this was all based off of just like one nice thing that someone said about us that I was, oh. And a lazy MLK Monday at home. Yeah, that, that's also true. I mean, we did go grocery shopping, so we're adulting. Patch yourself on the back for that one. <laughs> you made sure you'd be fed for the week. But something that they did point out that I kind of loved, I got really, really happy, is that they talked about how we're fans of The Office. I, I mean, I was a late convert, but yes, we are fans of The Office. There were years and years where Mike maintained that he did not like The Office. I just don't like that cringy kind of humor. See, what I really liked is that they pointed out that we really do our research. <laughs> Joke's on them. Excuse me, I do a lot of research. I, I, I mean, I, I don't for this. Oh, you don't. I was about to say, like, excuse it, it, me. It's really Natalie Levy brings people on to talk to them about murders that they don't know about. Because, I mean, I, I mean I'm, I've mean, i hosted the most, obviously, but the co-host always goes in blind. The, the co-host always goes in blind, but I definitely do a shit ton of research yeah, beforehand. I, I was like, excuse me, are you are you insulting my capacity to do research? Because I read a lot of shitty articles. Probably a lot of typos. No, there no, because they aren't there aren't typos. Because I really try to keep my, um, like the articles that I reference and anything that I source credible. Yeah. It's just that it's a lot of the same thing over and over again, and you're always kind of looking for that little nugget that wasn't mentioned elsewhere. And so that can get really, really repetitive. Murder nuggets. <laughs> Some of those delicious murder mm, nuggets. Side of fries, some sweet and sour sauce. Oof. I could go for some fries right now. I mean, I don't. You should tell, show me someone in America who says they couldn't go for some fries right now, and I'll show you a liar. <laughs> As always, um,. I'm Natalie Levy. I'm still Michael Costa. And this has been Detective Society. Murderful Minisode. <laughs>